I really reflected on that and thought, well, how can people get more out of psychological treatment because, you know, get around some of these barriers to those traditional 50-minute sessions with a psychologist, which are incredibly taxing and draining. Fellow homo sapiens, so people with epilepsy are at a far greater risk of having poor mental health than those without. But that is why I am delighted to tell you about this week's Epilepsy Sparks Insights episode with clinical psychologist and senior research fellow Melinda Gandhi from Macquarie University in Sydney. Melinda shares with us her cool self-management online program called The Wellbeing Course, which has already had a fantastic impact upon so many people in Australia. Yeah, my name's Melinda Gandhi. I'm a clinical psychologist and senior research fellow here at um, Macquarie University at Sydney, Australia. And um, my work really focuses on helping people with epilepsy manage their mental health and um, psychological well-being. Bro, we need more people like you. And, and so how did you get into it? Why did you decide to focus on, on this topic, topics? It really came about during my training as a clinical psychologist. So uh, there was kind of a local epilepsy hospital nearby that had was treating lots of people with epilepsy that also were experiencing depression. And they approached the psychology clinic to say, look, you know, is there something you can do to help? So I built uh, my PhD around that clinical need. And that's how I got into working with people with epilepsy. And I also have a few family members with epilepsy. So I was super keen to get involved. And uh, yeah, I've always loved um, clinical health psychology. Tell us a bit about it, about what you've, about your design and, and implementation and everything. Some of my original work was trying to run, uh, for my PhD, was running treatments kind of face-to-face with people with epilepsy. So I ran uh, a randomized controlled trial of cognitive behavioral therapy. uh, And I found, you know, it it had some some benefits and it went reasonably well. But there were also a lot of kind of like practical barriers. So, you know, because people had to attend a psychology clinic to receive the treatment, that didn't always happen. You know, often people had seizures and that impacted things or uh, they couldn't get there on the day because, you know, of travel restrictions, they might not have had a driver's license and, you know, public transport. Uh, And I also found, you know, cognitive difficulties um, tended to predict people that dropped out. And I really reflected on that and thought, well, how can people get more out of psychological treatment because, you know, get around some of these barriers to those traditional 50-minute sessions with a psychologist, which are incredibly taxing and draining. They require a lot of memory and attentional demand. So that has really motivated my recent work. So I've kind of moved to being I guess what some people call a virtual psychologist or and a lot of this work started before COVID but now we're kind of seeing the appeal because you know of COVID I've started to to work on digital psychological treatments yeah um, and I, I joined a, a team at Macquarie University called the eCenter Clinic that specialize in evaluating and developing Uh, remote kind of digital psychological treatments for common mental health difficulties like depression, anxiety, and for chronic health conditions like chronic pain. And um, my work now at Macquarie Uni has been uh, developing uh, a course for for people with epilepsy and other neurological disorders. And this is a completely remote digital psychological treatment called the Wellbeing Neuro Course. Uh, Yeah, and 
it's it's been going really well so far. What has been sort of like the feedback on the course from patients and fellow clinicians and stuff? And what have been the results if you've been able to measure those so far? Firstly, I think um, patients have really uh, appreciated the digital approach, uh, it, it being a lot more flexible, particularly now since COVID. And the course, it, it, it focuses on not just kind of the mental health side of things. So it provides lots of skills and strategies for managing depression and anxiety, some of that traditional kind of cognitive behavioral therapy, but it also integrates more compensatory cognitive rehabilitation skills. So it also focuses on managing day-to-day activities and cognitive problems. And traditionally, these kinds of treatment tend to be offered in isolation. So a lot of participants in the course have valued getting that information together And um, as a psychologist, uh, we support people through the course through phone calls and through kind of therapeutic um, messaging. But all the main materials are online through kind of um, online lessons. They're they're a little bit like PowerPoint slides, but a bit more fancy than that, uh, that people kind of work through them in their own time, at their own pace. They can read and revise the materials as many times as they need. They can print them out. They can share them with support people. So that kind of flexible model uh, has been beneficial for lots of people and can get around some of those cognitive difficulties of that traditional kind of 50-minute session with a psychologist. Uh, And to answer your question about clinicians, they've been finding this, this kind of work Um, really helpful as well, you know, to be able to work with people uh, that are really geographically spread out. So we've been able to treat people across Australia uh, and and larger numbers of people uh, than than we could do face to face. So yeah, it's been it's been found to be quite acceptable. And in from kind of a research lens, I've now run a phase one trial that's published and I've just finished a phase two randomized control trial, which is soon to be published and they support these findings. So the course has been found to be highly acceptable. There's high rates of completion and low dropout rates. More importantly, it's led to kind of, uh, you know, clinically significant improvements in symptoms of depression, um, symptoms of anxiety and um, day-to-day disability. And I've also seen shifts in symptoms of anger and frustration and just perceived cognitive difficulties. That's really been encouraging. That sounds great. So have you also had involved uh, First Nations Australians? So people like you're saying who are often in more remote areas who can can benefit from this and often sometimes culturally or for whatever reason might, you know, find it more challenging to work with somebody in the more traditional sense, Western traditional sense. That's a a really good question. Uh, There have been some uh, people that I identify as Indigenous go through the course. Um, I'm also uh, affiliated with a service called the MindSpot Clinic um, here at Macquarie University. And they're they're a national service that's... um, uh, that's kind of taken a lot of the courses that we've developed at in the at the e center clinic at the research side and implemented them as kind of a national service uh, through digital health and they've got special um, specialist courses and clinicians that support um, indigenous Australians so yeah that's it's been been nice to see that be be a part of that translational pipeline and and tailor our courses for you know, like you said, um, kind of 
populations of people that can often not always access psychological treatments or can benefit from things that are a bit more tailored. You mentioned uh, anxiety and depression. Do your courses positively impact people who experience other types of psychological issues or is it solely the depression and anxiety at the moment? That's the, what I've been focusing on at the moment, the kind of common, the common mental health difficulties. Mm-hmm. But also, like I mentioned, trying to also weave in some skills and, and strategies for managing frustration and anger, which tend to be a little bit neglected by mental health professionals, but, uh, you know, a lot of people with epilepsy and other neurological disorders have told me they can really struggle with those symptoms. Which is making me think that if you're helping people to deal with these, you know, the thoughts that they're having about themselves, actually that benefits people who have other um, psychological um issues so they might not have diagnosed depression anxiety but actually the feelings of awfulness can are often closely associated with other uh psychological issues right so it's like it would um, indirectly benefit other people too i think yeah and i i've i've taken the approach because it's a trans diagnostic kind of approach where i'm targeting multiple outcomes and broad kind of outcomes of disability i i haven't been um strict in saying you need to have this level of depression and this level of anxiety to take part of my treatment. It's been more like, would you like help with your mental health? Um, This is what the course is about. It's kind of got a self-management focus. Would you like to take part? So that, that gets around some of the limits of just kind of, you know, having those strict criteria um, we can look at that in when when the in the research and kind of filter for people with clinical symptoms or not when we look at the outcomes but I've I've tried to be inclusive because like you said there might be other types of psychological challenges people are facing and what they what they're hoping to get is kind of skills to manage day-to-day and to self-manage mood um, and that's that is the focus it takes and yeah kind of having that broad, broader scope and what have you gotten out of this personally and as a professional like you know what has this brought you having this such a successful project that helps so many people it's been wonderful um to again uh, to work with people across the country to i've also you know my main focus has been in epilepsy but i've also been working with people with lots of other neurological disorders that i find have very similar challenges to well-being and mental health so people with M- ms parkinson's brain injury so that's really benefited me I've, I've enjoyed learning from people with lots of different um neurological disorders and and trying to to take that knowledge and and see how it can improve the epilepsy field and vice versa uh, that really excites me. Uh, it, just having something that's highly accessible, that um, gets around those barriers. You know, psychological care can be very expensive and it can be really challenging to find people in the community that specialise in neurological disorders, particularly clinical psychologists. So I've also really valued um, being able to um, fill that gap, I guess. Um, and it's not to say it's for everyone or it's going to replace face-to-face treatment. It's not a panacea it's not a one-size-fits-all but it's it's been nice to see that many people have have benefited and it can kind of form part of what I hope will be lots of different options for 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 people to to get mental health support and what are next steps in in this whole I don't think it's even fair really to call it a project because it almost seems like changing the world type thing um what what are you going to be doing next with all of this work great question so I'm really keen to you know, can continue the, the 
the research pipeline of making sure it is effective, it's mm -hmm. the best kind of product it can be, um, get lots of consumer feedback of how we can improve the course. It's not perfect. It's still kind of developing. But ultimately, look at how we can implement it within health settings and integrate it within neurological care. You know, the that's kind of a passion of mine. I don't want to do research for research sake. I want it to, right. to improve health outcomes and, you know, be, a, be an option that's kind of sustainable and scalable through, through services. Um, so that's, that's what's next, looking at ways to, do, to best do that. Uh, and it also fits in with another hat that I have with the, um, the ILAE working as part of... Um, the psychiatry commission so i'm co-chairing a new task force that just started this year and that's called the integrated mental health care pathways task force and it's a it's a big a big name but it, it matches this it's really our vision is to see how we can integrate mental health care uh, more within epilepsy care thank you and it's absolutely crucial um you know I've said on so sorry everyone listening who listens regularly I've said on so many episodes you know many of us would rather have more seizures or have a seizure every day if we're lucky if not to already than feel awfully depressed and like life is not, not worth living so yeah both things have to be managed at the same time I think well thanks so much it's been fabulous having you here and um, we hope to meet you again soon thanks Cheers. so much for having me and um, the podcast is wonderful thank you so much to Melina for telling us about her exciting work seeing things from the patient's perspective and improving our lives. To learn more about Melina, make sure that you check her out at toryrobinson.com slash epilepsy hyphen sparks hyphen insights, where you can find out more about her and links to her work. If you enjoyed the episode, please do share it with your friends, family and colleagues, because it really helps us to get our messages about the epilepsies out to the masses. Make sure that you check out our cool Epilepsy Sparks merch, t-shirts, mugs, notepads, etc. at epilepsysparks.com. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.